welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. Holy Gospel according to Luke, the tenth chapter. Luke writes, The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. be seated. Um, Three very interesting readings, three very interesting lessons. Um, They are apocalyptic in total, in some. And uh, the first reading coming from the book of Daniel, the name Daniel, meaning in Hebrew, God will be my judge. And from the revelation to John, also known as the Apocalypse, coming from two Greek words, apokalyptein, meaning to remove from hiding, therefore to reveal, or from that, a revelation. And then today's Gospel reading uh, from Luke, and again, as I say, itself a bit apocalyptic, huh? These three readings, though, are appointed universally, Uh, for the 29th day of September today, which appears on the church calendar as the Festival of St. Michael and All Angels. Now, artistic representations of Michael the Archangel always fascinate me and are interesting to me as Archangel Michael has down through the ages been portrayed with a two-edged sword, a large sword in hand, wings of flight, armored, and often standing over a defeated Satan or sometimes a dragon. Saint Michael, the archangel, emerges from scripture as the consummate warrior and quickly and understandably understandably became the patron saint of the military and armed forces as well as law enforcement personnel. People who, the, uh, who in this life uh, protect others and bear the sword. Now, approaching today's lessons, I think it's uh, uh, good to bear in mind that uh, it is often said that no one should try to read, try to understand uh, the book Revelation without first having uh, studied the book of Daniel. 
And there's a reason for that. This is because the uh, Apostle John, the author of Revelation, clearly chose to use Daniel's enigmatic style of writing in order to communicate his message to the church. His message passed the Roman captors who held him um, and in isolation. And so John wanted to communicate to the early church, and that church was under persecution, he himself being a prisoner and held in isolation. And so John communicated his message of hope in the face of great adversity and suffering. Uh, and uh, we know that as the church made inroads into the Roman Empire, the powers of the empire had made very deliberate efforts to destroy those who in those first years came to be known as simply Christians. Christians, like Jews before them were, and remain into this 21st century, the targets of religious and secular hatred. John, in light of this reality, wanted to say to that suffering church, to that servant church of which we just sang, that as in the days of Daniel's captivity, centuries before, in spite of all attempts from Herod and others like him to destroy the church, God's children would triumph, and those who remain faithful be vindicated, if not in this life, then certainly in the life to come. Now, an interesting aside. Some, including myself, believe the biblical Daniel, okay, Daniel in the Bible, Daniel in the lion's den, that Daniel, okay, to be the ancestral forerunner of the wise men who, in Luke's gospel, also Luke's gospel, traveled the some 700 miles west from Babylon, ancient Babylon, to Bethlehem in order to visit and worship the infant Jesus. But that's, that's a story for another day. But I observe that both Daniel in the Old Testament and John in the New, they perceived dual realms of truth, dual realms of existence, dual realms of reality. The visions of both men saw with uncommon clarity what is seen and also what is unseen the already and the not yet, what is and what is to come. These dual realms of reality would then come to be affirmed by the early church in the opening articles of its creeds, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven, and earth. And more explicitly then in the Nicene Creed where the church confesses, notice not I but now we, we believe in one God, the Father the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. And so it gives us reason to pause and reflect upon how much of life is defined 
by what is seen, but how much of our lives are governed and influenced by that which is unseen. Daniel and John both lived in the physical world of experience, to be sure, and the world in which they lived was sometimes a just world and often an unjust world. But Daniel and John, the evangelist, also perceived another order of existence, another realm, if you will, a spiritual realm that lie beyond the grasp of the likes of the prince of Persia or even the ancient serpent called the devil and Satan. In an ancient world where seeing was believing, these visionaries ran contrary to the flow of their day. In a world where you had to see it in order to believe it, where abstraction was not even a possibility in the world of thought, these visionaries discovered that believing could become seeing. Upon such a spiritual insight, Daniel went on to point out that many who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to shine like the sky and lead many others to righteousness like stars forever. Who was it that would lead many to righteousness? When we take take a look at Luke's gospel, Luke seems to suggest that the 70 who returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us, this saving, the saving message, this gospel, that would be the mechanism by which many were brought to righteousness, was not something to be restricted to 12, the disciples, or even to 70, or even to 70 times 7. The message of eternal life, as proclaimed through Jesus Christ, conferred upon Christ's church, uh, was such that not the gates of hell would prevail against it as Jesus said. Daniel and John, the Old and the New Testament, both believed evil is real, the agents of evil are real, and they may kill the body. But that which is eternal, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, they cannot be utterly destroyed. The gospel imperative then for the church became this very message, urgent and new in its day, urgent and new in our day, and it was to be proclaimed. Through Jesus, Daniel and John's message became this message of hope in the face of despair, good in spite of evil, life in spite of death. Now, as we observed together at the outset, there's a great deal of mystery in all three of today's readings. Daniel and Revelation are mysterious by design. That is the very nature of the apocalyptic genre in which they wrote. All three of today's lessons require we, the hearers, to engage in a truly spiritual endeavor of trying to seek the meaning, the meaning within that which cannot be rationally understood. Again, the seen and the unseen. 
I submit for your consideration that while the gospel cannot be rationally explained, neither is our ancient message irrational. And as I think about this, the best word I can summon forth this morning is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is probably transrational, beyond the grasp of everyday thinking, and therefore also beyond the manipulation of the purely rational. Daniel and John experienced suffering for their spiritual beliefs. We have ample evidence of that by reading scripture. Daniel and John experienced suffering for their fidelity to God. Daniel to the God of his ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Daniel was ridiculed for not worshiping the neon gods of Babylon. John was made to suffer for his faith in Jesus Christ. Both Daniel and John, however, proved to be men of great vision and dreams, and this capacity to be open to that which is unseen appears to be something rather encoded in the DNA of those created as the pinnacle of creation, created in the image of God. I even suggest that just because some things cannot be proven, they are no less true than those things that can be proven. Consider the all-important quality of love, okay? So simple and yet so complex. An argument can be made that love is actually a synonym for God. As the Bible teaches, God is love. But how is love, how is love such an essential attribute measured? How do you measure love? Or if you try to measure it, at least tell me where it resides. Likewise, beauty. How is it that human beings have been given this capacity to experience love and to recognize beauty? Are not love and beauty transformational, godlike, and we experience it? Each of today's authors, Daniel, John, Luke, were men more than a little acquainted with pain and suffering. The ancient world was a brutal place. It was not welcoming to those who believed in not just the seen, what everybody could see, but the unseen. Those who could not see the unseen became resentful and even hateful towards those who could see beyond the obvious. Daniel and his friends were taken from their homeland and forced to serve pagan masters as slaves. For his confession of Jesus Christ, an elderly John, likely the last surviving disciple, was held in isolation by his Roman tormentors on a deserted island called Patmos. And of course I say nothing of the cross that loomed before Jesus of Nazareth, yet each man, each of the three, confident that God would vindicate them in the end. One lived in exile, one suffered the privations of isolation, and of course, the other went to the cross with a hope and vision fixed upon uh, 
that which was unseen, the hope of the resurrection. The nexus that ties these three together, the connection between two worlds, the physical and the spiritual, is on this day celebrated and described as being traversed by angels. Angels are agents of divine will and expressions of the one who rules both heaven and earth, the seen and the unseen, and for our benefit, you see. Um, artisans and craftsmen have long translated their own spiritual vision of angels into forms others can consider. Michael, the archangel, is named in scripture, but portrayed that you might see. Along with the archangel Gabriel, the announcing angel who visited Mary, hail, O favored one, um, Michael is the only other named angel in the New Testament, though the archangel Raphael is mentioned in the Apocrypha. And so this day, archangels are of particular interest because they serve a specific function. Saint Michael the archangel is the spiritual defender or protector of those unseen threats and also from those that might come in evil's physical and tangible forms. Thus arts depictions of Saint Michael down through the ages with broadsword and armor. Ages when people were more comfortable with the duality of the physical and the spiritual life than we are today, to be sure. And I would observe in closing that just as we are and we hear from time to time reminders, citizens of two kingdoms, an earthly kingdom and a heavenly kingdom, so too there is there a twofold nature in the way people of God imagine, describe, experience, and understand these beings we called angels. We live in the already and the not yet. We see that undeniable truth in our children and in our grandchildren. The already and the not yet. We see the already and the not yet in the seed and in the harvest. We confess both the seen and the unseen in our creeds. We are the communion of saints that looks toward the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, the seen and the unseen. For you see, we are the church. We are the church for which our Lord lived and died and lived again, that we might live again with him and live forevermore. St. Paul said, we see through a mirror, through a glass dimly in his great oration on the subject of love. He says, but then we shall see face to face. Then we shall fully understand even as we've been fully understood. The consideration of angels on a day such as this is ours to savor. It is ours to own. 
It is part of our spiritual heritage. The world in which we live and the world that is to come. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.